At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. We're going to be in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17 today. But before we go there, um, I want to introduce this series. This is a brand new series titled Habits Practice for today's world, ancient practices for today's world. And in this series, we're going to actually talk about three spiritual disciplines, three spiritual disciplines that when we practice them will actually give us rest and increase our enjoyment and communion with God. Today, the discipline that I am talking about is service. Some of you didn't even know service was a spiritual discipline, but it is. Okay, And by the end of today, I'm going to make sure that each and every one of us praying, God willing, that you will take that and you will start practicing that discipline regularly, all right, so that it becomes normal in your life. In fact, I believe that if all of us, from the youngest to the oldest, if we would all practice this spiritual discipline on a regular basis, that the world would manifest heaven on earth, that if we would to serve and practice serving we would experience a revival like we have never imagined or experienced in our lifetimes. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Let's read it together. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And there's so much to explore in this passage. And we're going to start with the context of this. Verse 1. Let's all go back there. We're going to read this slowly. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart 
out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You see context here. It tells us that this was the final meal. This was the final night, the final time that Jesus would be spending with the 12 people he loved most. And this is important because what we understand here is this, his 12 closest friends are here. And everything else that he does in this passage that John describes is done as a function of love. He loved his own in the world. He loved them to the end. And so his love for his disciples manifested here today in this passage. And he showed his love to his disciples when life, as he knew it, was most inconvenient. When he had the most anxiety, when he was most stressed, he knew he was going to go get crucified. He knew what was going to happen. He knew who was going to betray him. He knew that he would serve people who were supposed to be serving him. He served them knowing that there would be no opportunity for them to reciprocate. So from this context, we understand what serving is. Serving is the intentional act of meeting the needs of others over our own. This is what Jesus demonstrates to us. Serving is what we do because the power, the depth, and length of love is so great within us that our own needs are tossed aside for the sake of pouring out that love to others, knowing full well it will never be reciprocated. And if you're, like, if you're a parent, you're like, that's it? That's every single minute, every single day, every single week of your life since you had these kids, right? However you got these human beings into your life, you haven't taken a shower or taken a bathroom break for yourself, right? Everything you do is for others, for their benefits, and that's service, that's what serving is. And I want to keep encouraging all of you, especially if you're parents and however long you've been parents, the longer you've been a parent, you know, keep going at it. Keep serving them. But don't think all of it is biblical service. Some of that stuff you do for the family, it can also be self-serving. And it's a very fine line. It's a very fine line. Like the other week, I signed up my two-year-old to play soccer for soccer camp, Okay. I signed her up for soccer camp, all right? And I did it. I did it under the guise, and this is how I justified it. I did it under the guise of she's going to meet friends. She's going to become sociable. She's going to gain these valuable skills called coordination, right? And then I'm doing my wife a tangential service. She gets a break from our daughter and from me. Wow, what a win, right? I am serving, right? It's, it's a smart move, I know, I know. Right? But, but let's be real, right? Let, let's be real, right? Soccer camp for a two-year-old. For a two-year-old. She doesn't even like kicking the ball, right? She doesn't. But I get to live vicariously through her. I get to walk the sidelines and yell for no reason at all, right? I get to do that. I can live, right? I mean, it's going to be a million degrees. There are, no, there are no trees to cover me, and I get to do that. I get to live vicariously, Right? Come on, but that's really an investment, isn't it? It's an investment. It's a smart investment. I, I mean, it, one day when she becomes a soccer star, if she ever decides she's going to kick the ball, I will be repaid, right? <laughs> Just kidding. She doesn't have to repay me, all right? But, but for real, right? If I really wanted to serve my daughter and my wife, 
wouldn't it be playing tea party? Right? Wouldn't that serve my daughter and my wife better? Wouldn't serving mean I just clean up the mess that my toddler leaves all over the house, the crumbs, the liquids, the toys, <laughs> to be the tea party guy and the cleanup guy? Right? Doesn't that sound more like serving? Right? I, I heard some yeses. Okay. Um, but that's a fine line between self-serving and biblical serving, isn't it? So how then can we ensure that we're exercising biblical service, a service that's sacrificial, just like Jesus did? And we do that by serving others as Jesus served, right? We ensure that we're exercising biblical service by serving others as Jesus served. Go to verses 2 to 5. I'm going to show you this. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from the Father and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This part is beautiful, and it's beautiful because Jesus systematizes serving for us, biblical serving, right? He does this probably so that we can read it 2,000 years later and say, man, I could practice this. And a system, right? This is the system that Jesus gives us, right? A system or a method, and that simply just, it answers three questions. Who does it? How is it done? And what is done, right? And so how do we serve like Jesus? This is, this is what Jesus paints us here, right? This is what he does. So let's start with who we serve in Jesus' system of biblical serving, right? We serve everyone. We serve everyone, right? John shows us that Jesus loved everyone, even the traitor. He shows us this in verse 2. John calls out Judas' name, his full name, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him. Jesus served and loved even the person that was going to hand him over to die. He washes his feet, right? And just because we know the intention of other people, just because it's evil, just because they have duplicitous means, right? It doesn't stop our love from being manifested in service. This is what Jesus is showing us here. Who do we serve? Everyone, regardless of whether we agree with them, regardless of our people and feelings and whatever it is that we have against someone. Because if we start choosing who we serve instead of serving everyone, it becomes self-service or self-serving. So how do we do that? Because that's a tall order, especially if we know that there's duplicitous or evil intentions, right? How do we serve everyone, especially people who have no affinity with us, people who are potentially against us? In verse 3, John picks it up and says, Jesus had the knowledge about his identity and his final destination. He was confident in who he was and where he was going, so he was even able to serve the person who would betray him. You see, serving can only be done selflessly when we're confident in who we are and where we're going, in who we are and where we're going, and that's how we serve. That's the posture that we take. You see, some of us, we practice serving so well because we know exactly who we are, sinners, by grace and love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in faith, made whole, made sons and daughters of God. That's why we serve, and we do it so well. We love everyone so well because we know this. We know our final destination is not here, but on heaven. And we make our love manifest itself so tangibly because of it, even at our own cost. 
And if you don't know, and what we find out is, if you don't know who you are, and if you're not confident in where you're going, then you can't serve like Jesus because you're too busy trying to protect, trying, trying, trying to protect whatever you think you are and wherever you think you're going, and you're afraid of losing something that you'll never recoup, so you don't serve and you give little of yourself. And that's a sad way to live. It's a very sad way to live. You all know the 80-20 rule, 80% of the work done by 20% of the people. It's true at work, it's true at school, it's true at the church, right? 20% of you serve regularly, right? And I don't just even mean inside the church, I just mean in life. 20% of you serve regularly because for some reason you're afraid. You're afraid of who you are. You're afraid of being bold. You're afraid of what you might lose, right? So one in five. Look around us, right? Look around here. One in five actually serves regularly the way Jesus did. But, but don't act surprised. Don't act surprised because I think deep down inside we all knew it because we're all afraid. But, but imagine, imagine, right? If 80% really knew who we are in Jesus, a son and daughter of the Most High King, why aren't we giving ourselves like we are, sons and daughters of a king? Why aren't we? I want to propose today that as we make serving a discipline in our lives, that we change the 80-20 rule and the rule becomes 20-80, right? Only 20% of us should ever be on the sidelines of serving. That means only 20% of us at any given time are not serving. And the reason we're not serving is because, well, life happens. Birth, death, life, loss, sickness, setbacks, all those things, they happen. So you're not serving at the moment. You need to be served. But the, the, the other 20%, the remaining 20%, that, that's in there, right? And that's the reason, you know, we're going to serve you. You're not confident in who you are yet. You're not confident yet. You're new. You don't know who Jesus is. Okay, we got you. We're still going to serve you. But the remaining 80%, you know who you are. You know what it costs to be here, Right? 80% of us needs to serve others the way Jesus served. We have to put the needs of other people ahead of our own. And we're going to do this because we're confident in who we are, confident in where we're going. And so we serve with that posture. We are children of God. So we give freely as our Father gave to us freely. I told you that Jesus gave us a system here, right? a system to make this a discipline in our lives. So how do we just realistically manifest that? How do we actually serve regularly? Because some of us, we're looking for the right opportunities or the perfect opportunity to serve or, or the opportunity to serve that, meet, that meets our talents or skills. But I, I want to show you this in verse 4 and 5, right? Because what Jesus does in verse 4 and 5, it, it seems very ordinary, very unspectacular because he manifests love this way in very unspectacular and ordinary ways. He gets up, takes off his outer garments, and starts to wash feet. That's pretty unspectacular. It's pretty ordinary. There's nothing special to it. Nothing special. You all know that if you wear sandals all day and you walk around in, in the dirt and the mud and, you know, it's damp outside, that your feet get pretty dirty. Sandals don't do much to cover or protect your feet from anything. Well, there were no cars in the first century. There were no 
concrete roads. It was all dirt roads, and so the disciples' feet were pretty nasty, simply put. And these, being all grown men, could have simply washed their own feet. They could have done it for themselves, but what Jesus, their teacher, their Lord, what he does, he meets a need. Because you see, when you're at dinner in the first century, you're all reclining at the table, meaning the other person's feet, their nasty, dirty feet that have been walking all day is in front of another person's face and their food. And Jesus gets on his knees and starts washing feet at his own party. Pretty unspectacular, pretty ordinary. And this is what Jesus does. This is how Jesus says serving should be. It's normal. It's ordinary. It's unspectacular. But it's tangible. It's tangible. It's a tangible need that needs to be met. There's no hoopla. There's no show. There's no miracle. There's no right moment. It's just like any other evening. Go meet a need and do it. I mean, can you imagine what would happen to the world if 80% of us here in this world, in this church, would even would, would just convince ourselves to serve one another to meet a tangible need? Can you imagine what would happen to our church family, to, to, the, to our neighborhoods, to our communities? That's why we serve like Jesus. I mean, just, just imagine life, how it would change. Would we have the problems that we have in our society? I mean, if, if that's not convincing, and if that doesn't give you enough reason to serve, then let me share why we serve. We serve others because Jesus cleanses us, right? Jesus served to clean us. Go to verses 6 through 9. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And what the apostle Paul didn't realize, what Jesus was talking about at first, acting like he doesn't need to be served by Jesus, but he only comes at the end to realize that he would no have no part in God if Jesus didn't wash him, if he didn't allow Jesus to serve him, that he needed to be cleansed from his sin. And I think Peter only realized this when he witnessed Jesus die on the cross for him. When he ran to the tomb and found the tomb empty, he realized that that's the only way he could have a part with God. Our becoming children of God, being accepted and received by a holy God came as a result of Jesus cleansing us. Jesus serving us in the most expensive, most exorbitant way by shedding his blood, by cutting his communion with God the Father on our behalf to take the punishment for our sins, a debt that we can never repay, a cost that he will never recoup. This was the greatest act of service in the world, that he was willing to die for people who didn't deserve it, for people who didn't believe, for people who hated him. This is why we serve. This is why we serve others, because this is the freedom that we receive. This is the new life that we have because we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Earlier this week, I was chatting with Pastor John about a serving opportunity. Um, 
the, the, the missions department at our church circulated a serving opportunity, and I was writing the sermon, and, I, and the part that I had just written was, you serve because you're full of love, right? And, and I'm going back to this email now, and, you know, I respond back to, to John, and, and it was like this. It was, well, if I have to serve, if we have to serve, then this is how we're going to do it. I took serving under compulsion and guilt and obligation, not full of love at all. Very hypocritical by one of your pastors, right? But this is the wrong mindset. This is the wrong mindset. And I share that with you because that's what a lot of us think sometimes about serving. We're under compulsion to serve. We're burdened by it. But an opportunity to meet a need, that's a privilege, isn't it? We get to. We get the privilege of participating in manifesting God's love for the world. And you better believe that all week, God kicked my butt for it, for having the wrong mindset, right? But this is exactly what we have to understand about serving. It's a privilege to wash dirty feet as an act of love. This is how Jesus saw it. It was a privilege for him to kneel down and wash the feet of his disciples. I want us to go to verses 12 through 16. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. God doesn't need us to serve. He doesn't. But we're given the privilege. We're given the privilege of participating in the work of God by serving through our service, through our love being manifested in very ordinary ways. It's a privilege for those of us who have received the cleansing from Jesus because we get to participate in this tangible act of love. So we have to regularly choose to serve, make this a discipline in our lives because we are servants and Jesus is the master and Jesus is who we call Lord and teacher and he generously served us by ransoming himself for us. I love what the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatian church. In Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 14, he says this, For you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If these reasons don't compel you to practice service as a spiritual discipline, then do it for this. We serve others and experience blessings. Serve others and experience blessings. Go to verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I want to give you seven blessings from the Bible. Seven blessings that come as a result of serving, of allowing our love to manifest through acts of service. Here's the first one. We experience Christ's presence in new ways. This is from 1 Corinthians 12, 11. We experience Christ's presence in new ways. 
From 2 Corinthians 3.18, we see we have spiritual growth that comes from obedience. From Romans 12.6, we discover and exercise our spiritual giftings. Hebrews 10.24 and 25, we will experience mutual encouragement when we serve. Colossians 3.23-24, we will be honored by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.12, the needs of people will be met. And from 1 Peter 4.11, Jesus will be glorified. These are blessings we experience when we serve. This is why we want to serve and make this a regular part of our spiritual rhythm. And maybe you're here and you don't know where to serve or where to begin, right? I want to show you how because it's going to be a really easy practice. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to knock you out. All you have to do is dedicate one hour a week. There's 168 hours in a week. One hour a week, to practically, tangibly meeting the needs of somebody else over your own. That's all it takes. And you do this one hour a week, every single week, when you're not sick or on vacation. And when you start doing that, that becomes a habit. That becomes a spiritual discipline. And when you do this, what you'll experience is blessing, but what you'll experience, you'll start seeing life different. You'll start seeing people different. You'll start participating in the work of God differently. Your love will manifest itself in your communities differently. And it will ooze love, and it's going to be wonderful. I know you're all eager to start. So in your bulletins, if you receive the bulletins, right, there are two cards. If you're online, um, you can go to woodsidebible.org serve. But one card says, build your church. And the other card says, summer serve. We're going to look at the Build Your Church card. On the Build Your Church card, you're going to find nine ministry opportunities where you have the privilege of meeting the needs of real people, right? By the way, the word ministry actually comes from the French, the activities of the person who serves, right? And when you are serving people, you're actually ministering to them. Know that when you're serving them, you're ministering to them. It's not for the professionals, but for every servant of God right? These ministry opportunities only require you to want to meet needs, right? And so I'm going to read these opportunities to you. You can look at them. If you love serving kids and teenagers because adults are boring and are horrible, then serve them. Serve them. Their needs to, they, they, they have needs. Meet them. If you love welcoming people and answering questions, then serve with our greeting and connect ministries, if you love curating things and designing things for people, then join our worship and production teams or ministries. If you love keeping people safe, join our safety and medical ministries. If you love building or fixing things for others, join our facilities ministry. Next, on the summer serve card, on July 31st, we're working with three nonprofit partners in our community to meet the tangible needs of people who live in it, right? It, the July 31st is a Saturday. It's 8 to 12, right? It's in the morning. It's, you know, not during soccer practice. I know that, right? Um, and it's only the beginning, right? I, I want to mention these three opportunities because maybe serving within the church and serving people in the church family is not your thing. Maybe you need to serve the community at large, right? So the three partners, it, the first one is Shiloh, Detroit, right? It's a a youth ministry focused on at-risk youth and transforming those lives of those youths with a relationship with Jesus. That's an investment. That's somewhere you can serve. 
um, at Community Housing Network. Community Housing Network is a nonprofit developer of affordable homes for the working poor, the formerly homeless, for the domestically abused, and those who are aging out of foster care. They're one of the only providers who provide affordable housing to a much-needed group of people. And then at Angel's Place, Angel's Place is a faith-based organization providing Christ-centered services and homes to support individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. These ministry opportunities are here so that our people, so that 80% of you can go out and practically and tangibly meet needs, needs that need to be met. Take, take your phone out, scan the QR codes, sign up. All you have to do is show up ready to love. I got one more opportunity for you, right? Because this is how easy we're going to make serving at our church. Um, anybody impacted by the floods last week? Anybody? Nobody? That's great. Amen. Um, what we've identified is 200 households in the cities of Dearborn and Detroit, 200 households um, that we know of so far. We're working with the city of Dearborn, the city of Detroit, where there's a physical and very tangible need that needs to be met. They need to recover from these floods. Their lives have been utterly lost and gutted because of the rains that have flooded their homes. They need something very, very simple, very, very ordinary. They need help cleaning up and getting their lives back together. If this is more up your alley, disaster relief, they started today doing those things. We're partnering with those cities. Be people who serve in love and manifest God's love to people in meeting their needs. I, I got four more ways because maybe some of you are still on the fence. Four more ways, right? I got lots of ways for you to serve, all right? You can practice this regularly. Do something for your neighbor. Don't just curse them out because their grass looks ugly or their garage is horrible, right? Mold their lawn, paint their garage, be a good human being, be the love of Jesus, manifest your love, all right? Uh, maybe, maybe instead, maybe that, that's something that you don't have skills with and you don't want to do, then stop complaining about your neighbor's kids or your coworker's kids or your cousin's kids or your pastor's kids, right? Love them, serve them only way you can, right? Because we know that you can, you're capable of doing it. If Jesus can wash feet of grown men, you can love kids that you want to complain about. How about loving the sick or the weary? Don't just feel pity for them. A lot of us, it's easy for us to feel pity. We look at a bad news report, we feel pity, but we don't do anything about it. Bring them food, right? Do their laundry. Stock their household supplies. Do something. Help change a tire, oil. You guys are all handy like that, right? Fix a car, right? Do something. You, you can call for help even, right? That, that's something you can do to serve them, Right? Or maybe the people you spend the most time with, that's not your family, your coworkers. Buy them a donut. You will make them feel loved, like they belong on this earth, right? But, but really, spend 15 minutes with them, right? Minister to their needs. What do they need? Instead of just constantly asking for things and stuff and reports, just love them that way. These ways are so easy to serve others. There should be no excuse for any of us not serving. You see, because the big idea that I want all of us to live with is this. Serving is the way of abundant life. Serving is the way of abundant life. That's what we have to know. This is why we serve, because it leads to an abundant life. 
And it may seem ordinary and unspectacular and simply meeting tangible needs, but when we serve, we will experience blessings. We will just experience them beyond our imagination. And those people we serve, even though they can't pay us back, God gives us blessings for it. It leaves our lives abundantly richer. And if you want an abundant life, a life where serving comes from confidence and knowing where you're from and where you're going, then just ask Jesus to be your Lord and teacher, to be your Savior, because He will do it. He will cleanse you of your sins right now. He will be love for us. He will manifest us with His love, with His power. You see, sin, death has no hold over that love. And that's the victory we have when we trust Jesus. Receive him today. Receive Jesus. Ask him into your heart. This is why we serve. This is how we will serve. This is what we do when we serve. Love by meeting the needs of others. Today, I want to remember his service through the Lord's Supper. And before we partake in this spiritual meal, I want all of us to take a moment to reflect on our own cleansing. Do you have sins you haven't confessed? Do you have sins that you haven't repented for? And maybe those sins, you committed them yesterday or last week or a month ago or a year ago. But it was those sins that required Jesus to pay for them on the cross, to pay with his, to pay with his blood it's time that we reflect on our cleaning, our cleansing, and repent from our sins and ask Jesus to, to clean you, to wash your feet. Let's take a moment and reflect. At the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Let us eat together. And Jesus said, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us drink together. Can we all pray? Father in heaven, thank you for serving us. We didn't deserve to be served, but you chose to serve us. 
you laid down your life for us and we can't thank you enough. You called us sinners to be your children and we remember how you served us with everything you had, with your whole life. Lord, we pray that we can serve with that same mindset, that same mindset you had while traveling toward Calvary, that we lay ourselves down even when it's inconvenient, even when it's painful. Let us be reminded and confident that the darkness pervading this world would flee as a result. Help us make this discipline of service a habit and a routine for the rest of our lives, God. Don't let us become weary of serving in your name because we know who we are in you and where we are going to be with you. For those of us who have never received you as Lord and teacher, allow us to embrace your love wholeheartedly right now. Let us know that you came to seek us and that you meet our most tangible need, life. Life when all we had was death. Give those of us who receive you for the first time the confidence like never before to be your heirs of your kingdom. God, for those of us who still haven't committed to serve yet, allow us to commit boldly to action. Help us know that there is a futility in serving others, whether people deserve it or not or have bad intentions or simply because we don't get along with them. Let us meet their needs, God. Let every act of love we commit be anointed by your spirit and soaked by your power, your grace, and your mercy. Help us live these blessed lives of service with eagerness and expectancy, God, to, to see you glorified through us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.